Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh yeah, you gotta have you gotta have one, man, because it keeps your beer. I picked this up when I was in the land down under. That's gutsy. <laughs> That's awesome. Steve Owen, he says, "Crikey on it, crikey, crikey!" So I'll get my beer in there. What time Ooh, is it? Like a glove. What like t- a glove? What time is it there? Uh, it's quarter past eleven in the AM. Four past eleven AM. Okay. A respectful time to be drinking. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Cheers, brother. First one of the day. First of many, I'm sure. What does that picture say? This one to my left. Yeah. So it's basically a cross-stitch weaving, which my grand did, of uh, giraffes, zebras, elephants, lions, camels, it's basically Noah's Ark. So you've got two of each species. Gutsy. And they're getting on the ark ready for the end of the world. And that, without planning it, leads me nicely into the first thing I'd love to talk to you about. So about seven years ago, the film Noah came out. And it was the first film that I went to see fresh out of hospital when I was in there for that extended period with my back. Mm. And I went with my mum to see it first of all. 
and I loved it so much, I was like, this might be the best film ever made. So I took my dad to see it the following night. Again, I was like, this is my favorite movie of all time. And I always get into these heated debates with people because they're like, what, Noah? You think Noah is the best film ever made? To which I reply, you know, well, what is the best film ever made? Because yeah. everybody has their, their own personal interpretation. But for me, A, the story of Noah's Ark is the most epic story ever told. Like, you can't get any bigger or more epic than that. And then B, I think it got a lot of criticism because people, I don't want to go and see a religious movie, but actually it's very critical of religion. And it's really like an environmentalist story about the earth and the planet Mm -hmm. and trying to like respect God's creatures and, you know, live within our means as humanity. Then it's also like this kind of really intense family study because it is about Noah's family and the way they interact and engage. And there's just so many levels, which I found it to be just like this profoundly moving really artistic creative it's by the guy who did the wrestler as well is darren it, aronofsky is this the the not like the russell crowe noah the russell crowe noah <laughs> exactly have you seen it have oh, you seen it's it fucking gutsy yeah it's awesome i watched it um well, we're all watching a lot of movies at the moment uh but what, what else you gotta do but i was like fuck i really want to watch an epic you know i really want to go for an adventure and um it's just i think it's gutsy it's like russell crowe's noah <laughs> It's just he's got he's got the well, accent as well. Yeah, he's got the accent. He's like. he's incredible in it, and then you've got Ray Winstone, who's always good. Yep, as like a tough badass. Uh, Emma Watson, Hermione from Harry Potter. Yep. is in it as well, and and I thought she was incredible. Like she gets a bit of stick as an actress as well because people call her a and, bit wooden, but I thought she was amazing in that film. Yeah, and Anthony Hopkins, he's in it too. Yeah, he's like the first man, I guess. Yeah. Noah's dad. Yeah, 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 Noah's dad. Yeah, now it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, it's gutsy. Like, uh, I remember, um, yeah, no, I watched it recently and it was just good to get out of, the, you know, the whole sort of world we're all in and go go into Noah land. And it was gutsy. It's like, um, I'm trying to remember, was there a, like, did somebody get onto the boat and try and get him or something like that? What What was the bit where? Yeah, that's Ray Winstone. He's okay. like a stowaway. Right. And he, he's been injured, so he's on there. And he's trying to corrupt one of Noah's sons and lure him to the dark side. Yeah. And and that's how that kind of plays out as well. So it's almost like this Shakespearean tragedy yeah. as well. Like there's, there's so many elements. And yeah, for me, for my money, and I could go on about it. So this it all is your day, favorite like, film is Noah? Of all time. Number one. All time and Noah. I think a, a lot of it was because when I saw it, I'd nearly died and come yeah. back from the other side. Okay. And so a lot of. A lot of these big themes of life and death were yep. playing heavy on my mind. Yep. And then also family and the importance of them. Mm-hmm. And it, it just it struck a nerve at that time and it stayed with me. And I recently rewatched it because it's on Netflix now. Yep. And I was like, I stand by it. It's maybe not everybody's favorite, of course, but no, it's got to. for my money. Number one, baby. And you've got Crow, who obviously yeah. started out in Romper Stomper. Like that was his big kind of breakthrough role. And then, of course, L.A. Confidential, Gladiator, the huge one. Have you seen pictures or video footage of him recently? Uh, I know he's doing a he's doing a film where he's like a, it's a road rage kind of film. But I did I did watch a, a TV show called The Loudest Voice, which was on. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have it in Australia called Stan. I don't know what's called overseas. It's this channel called Stan. It sounds like a dude's name. So like, what are you watching, Peter? Is that <laughs> no? I'm watching Netflix. Stan. But um, it's uh, it's 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 really gutsy. Like he's really gutsy in it. You know, like he really sort of brings the role real. 
And he, um, I think he might have won some awards for it. But Russell Crowe is is awesome. Like, I just want him to keep making movies so we can all just sit around watching Russell Crowe movies. They're gutsy. He's looking like he's put on a bit of timber as well, and I think he carries it well. Like, it suits yeah. him. He's got this big, long, gray hair, real stocky frame. And he's just like, there's certain actors like that for me who are just like men, you know? Yeah. Like, it's we're, a dying we're breed. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're guys. We're guys. We're guys. They're, they're men. You know, Mal, Mal, Mal Gibson, Mel's a man, you know? <laughs> rusty, Rusty. Rusty's a man, you know? Um, rusty Crow. Rusty Crow. <laughs> but uh, we're, just, we're just dudes, you know? <laughs> I'm going to flip you Dude, over on the side. Tell me if it all fucks up. That's all good. Okay, hang on. Let me see if I do this. And do I just have to tilt my head at 90 degrees to see you? <laughs> you might have to. Just give me one second. I'm going to try and because I've got you on a screen, but it's so small and it's a bit, it's a bit like a tiny little man. And I want to, speaking of the, now what happens when I do that? Is there that, we go. Is that, there we go. That's okay. Perfect. Yeah, That's man. great. Because I think when I record it for you as well, it's going to be better. That's so good. I'm going to take a photo of that as well. Give us a smile, Joel. There we are. Uh, dude, you've got your ACDC. What do you call cozies in Australia? They're not called cozies, are they? What are they called? Stubby holders. Stubby holders. Does what it says on the tin, Does what it says on the tin. It's like you've got a cozy, it's like a couch, a, a pocket full of posies. What do you want? No, I just want a stubby holder. <laughs> well, you can't mistake that. Let's get this right. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine, you know, Russell, you know, he's on set. He's filming Noah. Phew, it's pretty hot out here. Hey, we've got a stubby holder. Keep me beer cold while I film this next scene with doing Noah and that. Like, you could see that would. If he said, if you want to go to a koozie, they'd be like, why? Wait, oh, no, Americans would know what that is, wouldn't they? Because, of course. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Americans would. Yeah. But they'd be like, Russell, we thought you were Australian. Yeah. You're letting your own side down here, mate. <laughs> Fucking give me the stubby holder. Imagine, imagine <laughs> if, um, imagine, because you talk about Noah, imagine if it was, um, it was Nicolas Cage in the, in the leading role. <laughs> it would be a very different movie. Have you seen Mandy? Uh, no, I haven't. But I've got to watch it now. Oh, dude. You got to watch Mandy. In that, he plays basically. It starts off a little bit like Mad Max. He's this guy whose family are brutally murdered by this like biker gang. So it's a very similar like. Wait, I've seen the cover. The I've seen the cover. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the posty note. Write this down, Mandy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So is it? What year is this? Like he go. This was like only a few years ago, 2017 or something, I think. Okay. But he goes on like he goes on a hardcore revenge spree. And and basically like just starts fucking taking names. Wow. And at the at the very start when he like loses it, he picks up this bottle of vodka, just basically downs the whole thing in one, and he's like right, just in full cage rage mode, like Rah! that's gutsy. <laughs> and then it's just a hundred miles an hour from there. But it's really like dark and surreal. And he's one of those actors. So I I met him briefly. So you really met him. Briefly. You met Nicholas Cage. How gutsy is that? He was he was watching Guns N' Roses when they played at the Olympic Stadium. I want to say was he singing in London? Uh, fuck yeah, he was having the time of his life. <laughs> it was incredible. And Duff wasn't back in the band yet, but okay. Duff was there. And I think maybe him and Duff are friends. So we were in like, what's the area where the sound desk is? What's that called? Well, it's, it's, uh, sound booth. Just the sound desk. There we go. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, I've never. I'm a uh, front of house. Front of house. Front of house. There we go. So. 
my ex-girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time, worked for the company, and I think she still does, who do uh, Guns N' Roses. They're their booking agent. Okay. So she got us like the cool fucking Sebastian Bach quadruple all Gutsy. access pass. Gutsy. And we're, we're in the sound booth, and she sees Duff, and she works with Duff. She's like saying hello and stuff. And there's Duff and his wife, Susan, and then there's just the rage cage just there, Gutsy. like pumped. Wow. And there's, there's, this, there's an amazing video on YouTube that you can find you might have seen it. It's like the middle of the day in Vegas, and it's Vince Neil. Oh yeah, I've heard of this. And, yep. Ni- and Nicholas Cage, and they're both in like these pastel Miami Vice style suits, and they're basically like having a scrap in broad daylight, wasted drunk outside this, I guess, casino or hotel. Yeah. And Nicholas Cage is like getting Vince Neil in a headlock wow. and trying to like restrain him and calm him down. And somebody's filming it from their car. It's fucking ridiculous. But he he seems like he's a party guy. Like, that's no surprise to anybody. That sounds think. gutsy, yeah. So they're probably just on a bender or something, just fucking boys having some fun. <laughs> In Vegas, midday. Bloody hell, I miss Vegas. Vegas was, Vegas not was, it is. It's still gutsy. But fuck, wouldn't it be awesome to go to Vegas? If you could just go there for five minutes or something, it'd be gutsy. My friend Adam is now working for a private jet company. And I keep saying to him, I'm like, dude, just send me a jet. Bring me over. Podcasts on the jet <laughs> on the way. <laughs> It'd be proper Led Zeppelin shit, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be awesome. Have you, have you got any good Vegas stories? Have you been there and, you know, been getting up to no good after hours around the strip? Uh, yeah. I was only there once for 24 hours and I didn't really get to, like, get into it. Were you there for a wedding or something? No, I, we just so me and my friend, we drove out to the Joshua Tree, the desert. Okay. To go visit this famous studio called the Rancho de la Luna, where they recorded all those like Caius, Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, I've heard uh, of that Arctic one. Yeah, Monkeys yep. Yep. did an album there. Really famous studio. So we went there to just sort of have a look around it, visit some friends there, mm. and then a bunch of guys who I know had a gig that night in this place called Pioneer Town, which is like this really cool old western town in the desert there's a really amazing roadhouse style cowboy bar there Fuck. called pappy and harriet's okay and they played there and basically we were looking for accommodation in the desert but everything was like 200 dollars or something for the night just in like a shit motel yep so my friend was like well if i don't drink and we just go to the desert show then we can just keep on driving overnight be in vegas for the morning check into a hotel, have like a few hours sleep and then get up, go by the pool, get the Hawaiians on, have a few cocktails, then go out on the town. So that's what we did. But we were only there for literally like, you know, 15 hours, about six of those we were sleeping. Okay. So I didn't really get to experience the full Vegas. But what about you? Wow. Well, we, um, we, we, we've been there a few times now. Um, I'm trying to think when, when we were there, when we were there last, it was just, no, we just, we, we've been there for, We've done shows there, and we've done uh, we did a, a festival there, one of those mayhem festivals. Fuck, we've actually been there a lot. We've been there a lot, like, and then but there was this one time we went there, and um, Zuby came up with the song "Animalize Me," and we were we were there. We were just Ryan and I were there. We were there for five days, and we um we we were staying at this place called Bootleggers. And right. this bar, it's, 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 well, bootleggers wasn't where we were staying, but where we were staying was right next door. Anyway, this bar has pictures on the wall of like Frank Sinatra and all the good old boys. We were saying men, the, uh, the men of the time. So, so this is in Old Town, yeah? This is, you know what? Th- that bit I don't know, but Old Town, though, is in the story. Um, it, I don't think it is. It's, it's this place out of the strip. And it was, I think the reason why it was out of the strip was so they could do, do whatever the hell they want out there. 
back in the day. And you go in and it's one of those bars with the red leather and those little sort of metal things stabbed into the leather into the leather. And then in the in the inside the bar, there's these TVs uh with like just movies and shit playing and, and you could order cheeseburgers twenty four hours a day. And there's this great little bowl of mints and you have a mint and, you know, they look like mints that have been sitting there since the 50s. And um, so it was this, this is bootleggers. So every time Ryan and I would go into Vegas, we would come back, it'd be two in the morning and we'd go into bootleggers, have a cheeseburger, and then eventually we'd go to the hotel, fall asleep. And there was this one time where we'd been out all day and we went to, we went everywhere. We went, we, we, we went everywhere. And then um, and we, we got back and then uh, we were like, Oh man, this is like four days going now. Like we were knackered. Up. We couldn't talk. Like it was like this. Like it's what a uh, really dry voice and all that sort of stuff. And and then we just looked into the lights of Vegas. I remember it. We looked in, and it was a, it was one of those sort of like three in the morning looking into Vegas. And we were like, we've got to get on a plane tomorrow. We need to we need to go. And we went, we're going back in. And we just got a <laughs> hailed a cab and we went back in and we went to Old Town. And there was a it was a it was a bar. I've never been there before because the taxi driver, we said to him, man, we've done this trip. We've done this trip. You know, we've done the strip clubs. We've done the strip. We've done all this sort of casinos and stuff. We want something a bit more real other than just the walking around with big cocktails and, you know, people handing you stuff. The Caesar's Palace. Yeah, yeah, all that shit. And we're like, is there something real here, man? He goes, "He goes, have you been to Old Town? And we're like, what's Old Town? That sounds gutsy, you know. He goes, I'll take you there. And we're like, all right. So he took us there. He dropped us off. There's this huge Guinness, pint of Guinness. And he said, if you go that way, there's a secret door and there's a bar. And on the other side of there, you can smoke in there and you can, you know, it's, 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 because you know, we want rock and roll. He said, they're going to play rock and roll in there. And so we found this bar and we found the door. We couldn't figure out how to open it. There's some special way. We're like knocking on the door. It didn't work. <laughs> and so we go around the alley to take a piss because we're also busting for a piss. And then we start pissing on the alley and we see these, like a couple drunkenly roll out of this screen door, flies open. There's like fluorescent lighting and they come out and we're like, oh, what's in there? So we go, fuck it, we'll walk in there. We're drunk. Like we are, we're, we're, we're gone at this point. So we still go in, uh, you know, lots of courage. And we walk in, it's a kitchen and we keep walking and it ends up being like a Suvalaki kind of shop. I can't remember what it was, but it was like that kind of vibe. And they're like, hey man, what are you doing in here? It's, you're not supposed to be in here. Like, oh, just looking for the secret bar, the secret door. And then that guy helped us get in. Because I obviously didn't want us in his shop, and he, we got, we got us we got us in there. And I remember walking straight in, saw the camel cigarettes, bought a pack of camels, lit up at the bar, and um and uh the song that was playing, I, it was like the second song was thunderstruck, and I was like, yes, this is what Amazing. we're looking for, and it was just all night. This went on all night, and we just barely made the plane home the next day, and it was <laughs> Vegas is gutsy, like I, I miss it. Sin City, isn't it? Yeah. I'd like to go back and do it proper. We should go sometime. We should mm. go sometime. Tell me about Nashville. That's where you recorded the last album. That's another place that's like, because I've only ever been to Florida and LA yep. and Vegas briefly. Nashville for me has always been one of those places that I've wanted to go. I know loads of people who live there. I know yeah. the Tyler Bryant crew live there. A couple of the Hailstorm guys live there now, don't they? Lizzie and Joe. Oh, yeah. And um, it just seems like this cool musical town. Like, what was your experience there when you were doing the last record? Did you get a lot of time off to explore? <laughs> Well, like Vegas, <laughs> um, this was also a place that we've been to a lot before. And there's a bar there called, uh, it's a bar called, it's in Printer's Alley and it's called Boogie, it's called, what's it called? Boogie Bourbon Street Blues. The first time we're in, in Nashville, you could smoke in this place as well. It's all about ciggies. Uh, you haven't had a smoke in a while, have you? 
Uh, dude, I'm back. Unfortunately, okay, great. I did. I did a hundred. I did a hundred days off, and I, like not a single drag. I was like, cool. I'm free of it. I've quit. And then I was like, you know what? Lockdown shit. Life is shit. Twenty twenty is shit. Yeah. I'm gonna light up. Who dude. wants to live forever anyway? So I'm back. Dude, I've got, I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got some stashed in here. Um, they're they're hidden. They're hidden under here. Let me just see if I get them. But in, in, I'll keep talking while I do this. Um, but so I'm on. I'm on the cigars now too. My, uh, nice. My, Claire got me some cigars. Claire, my fiance Claire, got me some cigars, and so I'm getting into cigars. You don't inhale them, but I'm learning how to smoke. Yeah, yeah. Them. I've got a box of Cubans, dude, because I went to dude. Cuba for Christmas like four years ago now, and I've still got a bunch of them in this box. Like I'm hoping they're still good to go, but they're big fat Cubans. Yeah, lovely. I, I thought you were going to put a big bag of weed then. <laughs> no, imagine that. It'd be really, it'd be really old school if we did that. Um, I keep them, I keep them in here in a in a thing, and it's look, look at this. So, so that's what we have. Like it's a, like look at that for a cover. <laughs> Break in case of emergency, dude. Your cigarettes as well are like thirty dollars a pack or something, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. We, we pay a lot for them, but these are very Australian Winfield Blue, so they are they are iconic. I work I worked out, mate, when I was down your way a couple of years back. In the month that I was there, I spent a thousand English pounds on cigarettes. I'm not surprised. Did you get any on the way in at the, you know? No, because you, you can only bring in 25. That's it. You can't bring in anything over 25. Thought, so if you're bringing in a carton yeah. and they find them. I thought you could bring in two cartons. No, 25 individual smoke. That's all you can bring into Australia. Wow. The first day I remember when mobile phones came out, it was like when you land on a plane from overseas, all your mates would bring go, hey, can you get me two cartons of Winnie's and a couple of, couple of cartons of Marlboro's? You could get heaps because the same thing. But, uh, you know, but yeah, it's crazy what we what we pay for cigarettes here, but people still smoke them. I mean, we're paying well, like Cuban cigars basically just to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. So go on, you're in Nashville. Yeah. And the so Bourbon Blues Bar, Bourbon Street Blues, yeah, Bourbon Street Blues. It's a great place, and we were in there, and um, you know, like we're again, Siggy's, and we were having these Gator bites, and the blues band playing was Stacy Mitchart, and it was fucking rocket in there. It was so good, and we we went back and saw him again on this trip. But this goes back to like 2010, and every time we would go to uh, Nashville, we would always go to Bourbon Street, Printers Alley. It's legendary, like it's it's a legendary place. And uh, it's like one of those sort of esteemed in the blues kind of things. Anyway, Kid, Kid Rock was there, and um, amazing. He was downstairs, and we were like, "Wow, we never seen anyone really like famous before." Except we had supported him back in two thousand and six, I think, and we played it where Tom Petty did that a DVD, and it's called the Fillmore. In I don't know which where that was. Anyway, all I remember is the the crowd smelled like weed, like it was just a big weed. Is it thing. San Francisco? It might be. Uh, the Fillmore. He did. He did three three nights there. In uh, I don't know those details, but we supported Kid Rock there. And I remember walking around. I saw Tom Petty, the Heartbreakers, on the wall, and I remember it was just smelt like weed in there. It was just like wow, I never really smelt that before. Like, um, and I was like, wow, this is great. And then um, <laughs> anyway, so Nashville. Uh, <laughs> Kid Rock's down there, and we, will, we weren't going to go up and say like, you know, hey, we supported you back then, uh, sort of thing. Because we were too drunk. Like, again, Gator Bites, all this sort of stuff, Siggies and beers. And what, just... what are Gator Bites? Gator Bites are kind of like chicken nuggets you would get from right. uh, somewhere, except they, they, they're Gator. <laughs> <laughs> they're literally alligator. It's alligator, yeah. So Amazing. It's, and, and the thing is the, the – the, the... Crikey. Yeah, crikey. The, uh, the weight the, – the uh, the, yeah, like, you know, you, 
you don't have to get up and get anything. They just bring it to you. So if they, they, if they don't sell the cigarettes there, they go, oh, I can go over there and get it. And you're like, oh, thanks. Oh, Marlboro Red? <laughs> sure. And then, you know, you give a, t- <laughs> you give a tip and, they, and, and back with the cigarettes. We even asked for a slab of beer at one point at this other place. And they just said they went and got a oh, case of beer. Uh, so they came back with the, with uh, what was it, Pabst Blue Ribbon. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. PBR. But yeah, so I remember we had a chair in our hand. We were jumping around like, yeah, this is going to smash the joint. This is so good. And we looked down as Kid Rock and went, oh, probably should put the chair away. Someone might think, you know, I'm throwing it over the edge or something like that. And then, um, yeah, that was that was a blur. But then we, we went back there every every time, like Metallica, Moth to a Flame, always at Bourbon Street. But Nashville, we'd known it before, and we just went there over and over again. And then studio, Bourbon Street Blues, studio, Bourbon Street Blues. My friend stayed up on a boat in the south of France one night, all night, doing blow with Kid Rock. He said he's a fucking wild animal. He loves the party. Wow. Yeah, he looked like he was having <laughs> fun, you know. <laughs> you, sometimes you just know, don't you? You walk into a bar or a room and you're like, that guy's having a good time. It's kind of that. It's the Nicolas Cage face. If a dude's got that on, you know, there's like, oh, he's, he's, he's having a good time. Here's another one for your post-it note list. Yeah. Uh, Nicolas Cage's introduction to the Terry Wogan chat show. What's that? So it's like um like Parkinson, like it's like a sit down long form Q&A type chat show. What's it and, called again? Uh, Nick Cage. Uh Wogan, Terry Wogan, W O G A N. Okay. And Cage come I won't even tell you what he does cuz I don't want to spoil the surprise. Oh, but this it's is just awesome. his Okay. It's his introduction to the show. It lasts 5 seconds, but it's just the funniest TV in like walk on you'll ever see and he is clearly blitzed out of his mind wow. just like here we here we go <laughs> wow is is he the rage cage is back do do you, do you watch do you watch like you know he puts a movie out every 5 minutes he done a whole bunch here in Melbourne um, because I, I just recognised it. One day I was watching a movie and I just went, oh, well, that's the freeway I drive down. So somewhere at some point he was out there doing Ghost Rider on his motorbike. Um, but he's putting out I movies. watched one last night called Running with the Devil. Is it's it like good? It's a drug cartel movie. Is yeah, it? it's good. It's got it's uh, it's not like a kind of wacky one. You know how he's kind of got the two different types of movies, isn't he? Yeah, he's got the sort of the Conairs, you know, the the over the the over the top <laughs> wacky. Yeah, I watched Wild at Heart again recently as well, okay. which is amazing. David Lynch movie. He has this snakeskin jacket in it. He's got a Vegas like, film jacket. too. He's got yeah, the- he, that's the one that he won the Oscar for, Leaving right. Las Vegas. Yep. Incredible adaptation. He's really good in. But yeah, this one last night, it's more of like a serious like slow burning thriller Lawrence Fishburne's in it as well he's really good okay and it's yeah Fishburne's it's on gutsy. R- running with the devil Run. oh he's amazing yep and um and uh I saw him once we were in LA it went to Guitar Center and it was when we just signed to Capitol Records and we're walking around getting tacos and going to Guitar Center eating pizzas and just like wow LA the Sunset Strip you know and then we saw uh Lawrence Fish- Fishburne like walking down the street and I'm like right right that's a bloody guy from the Matrix and he's coming at us, and his hand was swinging like he's really like walking. We're like, it's like Morpheus. He's going to walk through us, and he just <laughs> like he literally just went straight through the middle of us. I was like, we're like, is this Morpheus? Like, is this because we've never seen movie stars before? Like, we're from Australia. Like, there's just we've seen crocodiles and snakes and spiders and sharks that will kill you, but we haven't seen you know real life movie stars. And then so you know uh, that was that was pretty. That was pretty cool. But, yeah, Nicolas Cage. So I watched a film where he had a bag under the bed. There was some money, and his son didn't appreciate it. He was doing all this stuff for him, and he has this kind of disease. He doesn't tell him. What's that one called? Because it was good. 
I don't recognise that. Neither do I. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it was he, good. He, I know what you mean, though. He makes yeah. so many. Yeah, like, it's, it's hard, hard to keep, to keep up. up. Yeah. Rage cage. The rage Dude, cage. you've got um, ACDC on your stubby holder there. Yes. Recently, I know yeah. we're like a few weeks late, but recently Back in Black celebrated its, it was, I guess, 50th, is it, or 40th birthday? 40th. 40th birthday. 40th. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we've spoken before about how the kind of the, the snobs in the music world yeah. will say, you know, if it ain't Bon Scott, I'm out kind of thing. Uh, I'd love to get your take on that record and and really like the pressure which they would have been under uh, to follow up, you know, Highway to Hell, but everything that came before. Yeah. The the, the stress and the, the difficulty of obviously filling those shoes that, you know, were so large that Bond left and then just how great an album that is. I'm sure you could talk for days about it anyway, but what's your take? What's your hot take well, on Back in Black, John? Well, honestly, I... I went for a run today for the first time in a long time and, yeah, it fucking hurt. And um, I had to actually stop, like, after a kilometre for a bit because I felt like all this pain just, just everywhere. I was just being crushed and I was like, I had to stop and walk. I was like, oh, it's probably all these fucking things. It's like lock, <laughs> lock, lockdown fitness regime because so like, the weather's getting better so I'm out going for a run. And I, I was listening to Back in Black and I, I was I was just, again, still to this day, still marvelling at how how, how – awesome it is and how much it makes you groove and how much it makes you move like you know move and do what you're doing i got running again um and uh and i was thinking about you know like like yeah lately like like everyone the 40th anniversary it's if you if you if you you say like you know if you just you know listen to the bon scott stuff it's just you know like i mean it's your choice but you know you're kind of missing out on the next 30 years of the band's career um and i think if you had to do back in, no one could do back in black. That's just only one, one dude, one band would come together at one point to make that happen. And, and they did. I don't know what, like the thing is the best way to, to describe it would be Bon Scott was, is, is the greatest rock and roll singer in the world. The only other bloke in the world with the biggest, the, the biggest enough balls to actually go, I'll pick up your mic. And, um, I'll carry the band forward after that guy leaves. All this charisma, all everything, the whole character, the whole everything that it was is, you know, I'm going to go in there and just get off the roof tiling, you know, climb down off my roof after doing some tiling, grab put my hat on. All right, let's let's go. <laughs> he puts, ew, ew, and he and he goes for it, you know. And then and the no one had ever sang like that. It's the it's Bon Scott's like Freddie Mercury, you know, one of the most. Iconic. You hear them for first ten, one second, and you know Freddie Mercury singing. You know Bon Scott singing. Brian Johnson is the same. He one second. Brian Johnson, um, and I think he's one of the greatest singers, rock and roll singers on the planet. I think ACDC got real lucky that he just happened to be sort of sick of you know roof tiling and went, "I'll give it a crack, lads." And he comes in and. Do you know the story of how they found him? Uh there is, there's that story that Bon had, had known about him from the band that he was in. Uh, Geordie, was it? Yeah, Geordie. And then uh, there's there's a vacuum cleaner commercial. For, I think it's Vax Vacuum clean, Cleaners where Brian Johnson's singing on that ad. It's great. It's, it's really, it's. Really? Yeah, it's. Oh, mate, I'll, you I'm got to look write that, that down on my post it note. You've got to look that up. It's just before Back in Black, but you can hear the voice. It's like, it's almost like as if. One of the guys in the band, or Mutt Lang, was sitting around going, "Gee, that guy in the vacuum ad can sing. <laughs> Give him a call." Um, but apparently, there was an ad in a paper, 
and and it was just one of those classic kind of things, which is what you would do, I guess, today on Facebook or Instagram. And then uh, and he's he showed up, and then you know he's playing pool downstairs. Apparently, the story goes, and he's you know with the roadies, and then and then they call him up, and he comes up, and he does. Uh, I think he I think he did a Tina Turner song, Nutbush City Limits, and then right, wow, yeah, and then a whole lot of Rosie, and they were like, you know, the guys in the band, are, you know, and, and he, they're starting to feel the chills, like holy shit, this is this is something. And then he gets the call later on. Doesn't even know if he's got the job, and then um, and then that's it. You know, they go to the Bahamas and make Back in Black. That's wow. That's that's. I don't think you could repeat that ever in the history of anything. You know, and uh, it, it is. It's one of the greatest records of all time. And at that point, you got to imagine whether you if if you're playing a band or or you're a part of a team of any sort of any. If you've ever been in a team or a group of friends or whatever, and you're in a scenario where it's make or break, and you can imagine where he's come in and he's not just the new guy. It's like it's more than just the new guy. It's like you got to prove yourself, and you got to do this and that, and you got to sing. You got to sing like higher than you know anyone's ever sang in their life, and you know bring it on the vocal takes, bring it with the lyrics, and the guy goes in and does it. So if people out there, that's the other thing, isn't it? Is lyrically Bon Scott was so smart and sharp and cheeky and just the right side of double entendre. Like he always walked that line. Yep. And I think if you don't have that finesse and that skill, it can become cheesy or yep. crass. Yep. And there's not only the voice to fill, but there's that vocal like imagery that he evokes and the storytelling. And I mean, what an amazing job Brian Johnson did, particularly on that record of, of carrying that on as well oh, with You Shook Me All Night Long and songs like that. Abs- absolutely. It's Bon Scott, you know, it's like, he's like a street poet. In a way, like mm-hmm. it, yeah, the guys lived it. You can, if I hear him sing, and you can tell there's like this footage, you know, before he had his teeth fixed, you can see how he's got missing teeth here and that. And the guy's been in some scraps, you know, like when he's singing about, uh, you know, the stuff, if you want blood, you got it. The guy's given blood to, to play these shows. Uh, and, um, and then, you know, Brian Johnson comes in, he's a working class dude. Like it's sure, it's he's definitely going to fit with the band, and somehow. Out of, I don't know how they did this, but they found a guy that's the same height as the as the rest of the five foot dudes in the band, the five foot four. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, how do you, I don't see many people that size, you know? But they these little dudes that make a lot of power, like a, they have a lot of power, and they are, they make a big sound, you know. And um, he just fits right in. I just think it's great. And I think if somebody's walking around going, oh, you know, I'm just I'm just you know not going to listen to like do that sort of thing, then it's like, dude. Like it's your life. You can live out how you want, but it's like it could be so much. Your better. life, your loss. <laughs> your life, your Isn't loss. It? Like yeah, you're still to play with them, right? That's got to happen some days. It's got to, right? It's got to happen. You know, a gig's got to happen some days at some point. So we've got to get it. We've got to get out there and play. Um, but yeah, no, that'd be great. Uh, you know, everyone keeps hearing the rumors that they've got a new album and it's in the, it's been, it's in the can. Uh, you know, but obviously it's you know not a time to be. Uh, going on tour right now. It's, it's a, it's a, it'd be a, it's, the crowd's a little thin at the moment. <laughs> D. Snyder was talking about it. I saw a news article where D. Snyder was saying he'd heard the album and you know it was like a kind of a, a real full stop in the in the road. Yeah. As I guess people were saying the last one was, but I really didn't rate the last album at all. Uh, rock or bust. Rock and or I bust. Thought, oh man, if they, if if they're going to end it on that, that's like a bit of a damp fart to end that story <laughs> with, but. It sounds like with this record, only from literally the, the comments that I saw from D. Schneider, it's, oh, maybe they're addressing, like the new Aussie record, man. Have you heard that? No. 
when did that come out when did it come out like earlier this year i think it's really recent okay I or, or if not this year, it was like right at the end of last year. But like, I think the album is called Ordinary Man. I heard it. Uh, I, I saw a video which would have been the track where there was a where they were at the Highland Gardens in LA that that hotel, and there was a I think a dude playing Aussie, and they sh- they shot it around the pool. I saw that, uh, which was the song, which was a song off that record. Uh, but no, I actually haven't heard the whole thing. I've, I, I, another one. I'll, I'll, I I don't need to remember that, but that's pretty easy. Get it on the list, Aussie. But that's. It's a record that he deals with mortality a lot in. And he's got Elton John on one of the songs, that song, Ordinary Man. And, you know, they're singing about the life they've led, the legacy they're leaving and coming to terms with knowing that your time on this planet is perhaps, you know, it's running short. Wow. And it's deep. I hope that the ACDC guys, although their music isn't reflective in that way, I hope that they do. Kind of, it's like a celebratory one last victory lap kind of record, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, look, if if... As soon as I hear a chord on this thing, I'll be rocking. Um, it's <laughs> I um the the song off the last one, <laughs> rock or bust. I, I love that song. It just it, it was a some there's a sentiment in it uh, when he's when he's uh, when the when the band is singing rock or bust and Malcolm's not in this band, and and that thing happened with with Phil where he had to stay in New Zealand for some some for whatever the hell Phil <laughs> was up to taking out a hit on someone <laughs> yeah. right that was the story that's pretty rock and we can write a film like it's pretty rock and roll about that um <laughs> that's like goodfellas shit yeah but i've heard i've heard apparently though that they cleared that shit up and the tool was going to go ahead that he was you know look it was the, i mean as much as the band you could have back as possible um and and he was going to be in it so um anyway uh, it's um but yeah the song rock or bust it's uh I just like the sentiment that they were going. I think with ACDC, I think part of it is it might sound like it's a surface level thing or something like that. But if you think about it or just something will click and you go, no, there's something deeper going on, like, you know, the song Back in Black. And, and then if if you think about Rocket Bus, oh, you know, they're just pushing something out. It's kind of like, we, I like in Angus's in terms, it would be like, I don't have my big brother here who's started this band. We've been together forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, he's, you know, he's not with us anymore, but we're going to go out on tour. We're going to go out on tour and see the whole world. And we've been right beside each other on every stage, in every situation, whether if it's been a fight with the label or a, not that anyone would fight with him because they just win, but all through, all through like losing bond and all through this and all through the shit that they've ever been through the eighties when they copped a lot of shit for, you know, for the same thing, you know, um, in the eighties, bringing nothing new to the table. We haven't released 15 albums, released 16, haha, sort of thing. But his big brother's been there the whole way and it's like he's not there now. And in the ACDC language or ACDC vernacular, well, it's rock or bust. So it's rock any way you possibly can. No matter what it takes, we're going to go out there and rock or that's it, the show's over. And the ACDC way is just to never stop rocking. So I think... Think, and it sounded like he sing Brian in, goes into the solo. It sounds like sounds like he says something like someone's missed his bus or something's missed a bus or something yeah. like that. And yeah, yeah. I don't even yeah. I don't know if he says that, but it sounds like he does because it's not in the lyric book. It's not anywhere. But it just made me think because I've been on like a lot of tour buses and we go on tour and stuff like that. But I actually had a tear, so I was like, "Fuck!" If he said that, that's that's ACDC getting heavy there. Like he's singing about his bro, you know, and and I just thought like. Uh, yeah, just any album they put out, I'm, 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 you know, I'm getting into it all the way. 
Well, one of my favorite memories with you, dude, it was me, you, and Ryan at Sonosphere. I think the last Sonosphere Festival. Can't remember the year. I want to say 2014. Okay. I think the last ever one they did. And me, you, and Ryan are watching Metallica. And Metallica are like, you want heavy? Metallica gives you heavy, baby. And then they go into like fucking, I don't know what song it was. Maybe the intro to one. And it's like, it wasn't quite the the verbal introduction I would have chosen for that song because it's just this really like intricate, <laughs> mellow, like yeah. almost violin-esque. It was like, and it was you like, turn to me and... It was like go going, going to the boxing, you know, and they go, are you ready to rumble? This big sort of intro, you know, and then it was like, and then out come two dwarfs to have a little fight. It was just like, <laughs> I, I was like, I was ready to rumble, man. It's like, and these two little kids come out. But it was like, it's... <laughs> Yeah, it was like he turned to his guitar tech and he go like he's getting ready to play like Master of Puppets, you know. Who gives yeah, Metallica yeah, yeah, gives yeah. you heavy? And guitar tech goes, he's like, oh, <laughs> stay on the acoustic. <laughs> and you turned to me and you were like, oh, it's no Thunderstruck, is it, mate? And I was like, Thunderstruck? This isn't even Satellite Blues. <laughs> and I think we were just singing Satellite Blues for the rest of the gig. It was great the whole we're day, out of our minds. It was amazing. <laughs> you you guys gave me a lift back to London on your bus and I think I just like fell asleep in the lounge for an hour or so and then I woke up and you're like, Oh, we're here and we're down yeah. by like the O two and in like the Greenwich car park. Oh yeah. And I had to I had to get from there to the Team Rock studios to do the breakfast show. <laughs> so I'm there like coming off the bus with a keg of beer that we've been drinking straight on the tube straight into work and i get there and my co-host steve is like dude have you slept and i was like nope yeah and i'm literally like lying on the floor for this show and the boss comes in he's like jesus matt <laughs> that, good times man that that was oh, there's a picture of that of, of us in the car park where just before with you the, left, keg. with the kegs we um yeah. one time we rocked up to do an interview and we were in the same state it was one of those things we do those press days where we do like 11 hours 11 hours or whatever it is and we, it was day three, and we'd done the same thing, like out all night, drinking all night, and we had to go. The first one in the morning, it was like 9 o'clock in the morning, and we get there, and then we are lying on the ground, and they were like, Jesus, mate. And they were like, and then a guy turns to the other guy and goes, you don't get that with, what was the something like, you don't get that with kids in glass houses. Kids in glass houses. Yeah. <laughs> I never had it. Still to this day, I don't know who that band is, but it just made me laugh. And then they, he brings out a bottle of Vat 69 and goes, you better drink this. We've got a long day. I was like, oh, fuck. We're back on the train again. Let's go. Unreal. I love it, dude. Well, you know, we won't go into it maybe. I don't know if everything's all good with that situation. But on the last press trip, I believe there was a little bit of a <laughs> a similar situation. Because uh, you called me. Oh. We, we, Me and you were meant to do an interview over the phone at like 10 in the morning. And I was on tour. And you called me at like 2 because you were at the Sanctum because you'd had your record playback. And I'm in like Newcastle or somewhere. I've just got home from DJing the after party. I'm wasted. Yeah. You call me, you're wasted. And we're chatting away. And uh, and I'm like, so I guess I'm going to speak to you in like six hours. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm getting yeah. all these calls from like, you know, your team going, are you with Joel? Like what? And I'm like, no, I'm in Newcastle. I'm on tour. Like you can't blame me for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Th- so after I hung up the phone with you, uh, we, we'd finished up at the bar upstairs um, and we went, we went down to, it was my room and then uh, Ryan c- came over and, and we got on it in there and we were watching um, some, reminiscing on some old bands from Australia that we used to get into uh, and, um, and one of those was a band called Jin Jan and we were just playing all their music and we were like, oh, it's so great stuff, comes from Warnable and then we were, 
you know, we'll, we'll just really get knotted in there. And then we were rolling around. Like we, 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 we had, we had a, there was one bit and this is where it turned. We had the bottle of red and it was like, I think I, either I had the red or Ryan had the red. Anyway, the, the other guy had the glass and it was like pour. And then <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. I actually can't remember who fell, but one of us fell as we we're pouring and then it smashed all over the chair. Like it looked like the chair looked like a murder scene and it went all up the walls and the red wine was everywhere. And we were playing, we were just rocking away in there. And we rolled around the ground. I think Ryan and I had a blue, like a fun, like a drunken sort of, oh, fuck you, you know, sort of one of those ones. And more stuff got broken in there. They were so nice, though. They let us, they, they let us off the hook with that one. But um, that went, <laughs> they're the Sanctum of the best, the best hotel in the world. The first place I'll stay, the last place I'll stay will be the Sanctum. I hope it's not the last place I stay because I'll die there. But, um, because <laughs> I've had too much fun. But what a place but, to die. It'd, hey, be like Bel- you know, be, be, it'd be like Belushi in the Chateau Marmont. Yeah. It? <laughs> it, it's, it's, yeah. It's the most rock and roll hotel in the world. And, um, so, we went until it was eight o'clock in the morning. I still remember, like, because the curtains are so great, like they're thick. You could sleep in. It's one of those places, and and so I remember just like getting up. Oh god, you know, got to have a piss. Oh, time is it? You know, I saw. I just I saw a crack of light coming through the curtains. I was like, no, it's not, is it? And I opened and went, oh no, it is. And then I turned to my phone. It was eleven, like eleven a.m. or something. And I've gone, oh, fuck. It's just like yeah, you know, hundred thousand missed calls and, and sort of thing. And I try and wake you know, go wake Ryan up and go. Oh, yeah, we uh, <laughs> we fucked up here. Full day of press, boys. Yeah. Full day of press. Yeah, yeah. so we we had to go in, you know, t- and tail your know, heads down. Yeah, sort of. Oh, sorry, mate. The fuck, I fucked up last night. But you know, credit to all the the journo's that did interview us. They were they were they loved the story we had to tell. It was like fresh off the press, and and you know, it's it's. We, and you don't get that with kids in glass. You houses. don't get that. And we you know, we had, we hadn't even showered. We're still wearing it the night before and. And you know it was it was and still pissed probably still pissed and you know every every yeah. time they would walk in like oh, do you want to be a mate They're like mate it's, it's a bit early for that <laughs> but um no it was it was it was good so we we do thank them for that and um but yeah the sanctum I mean can you stay at hotels in the UK yet uh, the sanctum's back open right. I presume you can stay over in my I think it was my second last night in London before I moved out. I went there at about 1 a.m. with my mate. We'd been on a bar crawl. I was like, I've got to have one last visit. You went the there recently. I'm just making sure we're recording. Did you, you, uh, you went there recently? Yeah, I was there like three or four weeks ago. Oh, man. And we, we, we were even in the hot tub, dude. <laughs> we were in the hot tub, me and my mate, just like fucking sculling beers. Wow. And it got to the point, it was about 1 a.m. We were the only fuckers in there. And the guy was like, guys, like, we've got to shut, man. You've got to get out. Yeah. There's nobody else here. And we're just like, Wee! <laughs> So, yeah, I was there. Yeah, I want to say it was like three to four weeks ago. Um, and they're back open. I presume that the hotel's back open because I doubt they'd just open the roof bar if they weren't having guests to stay. But it was very quiet and, you know, I mean, everywhere you go now, it's like that. We, we've we sort of purposefully said that we won't mention the C word and mm. go there. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll quickly segue across, but you reminded me of something there. So I've had the blame a couple of times for, like, getting musicians in a bit of a state. And very often, you know, I've, I can be to blame, but often when I am blamed, I'm not to blame. And so... The year you played Ramblin' Man, which would have mm-hmm. probably been the last time I saw you, last summer, um, the day before you played, it was Blackstone Cherry headlining. And 
I'd been so that was you. You played the Sunday, right? Blackstone did the Saturday, I believe. We and on the, the Sunday, Friday, yeah. on the Friday, I'd been DJing out in Camden at the World's End, and John Fred from Blackstone w- w- like came down and was hanging out. We had a couple of drinks, and it was cool to see him. And I posted a picture of the two of us, like we with John. And then at the end of my set, because at that time I can't remember what for whatever reason, but which is rare for me. I said, oh, I can't go on to another bar. I've got to get home. So I went home and I was like fairly sober, fairly together. I left John and he just went out into the night, into Camden. And he was already wrecked when he turned up to meet me. So he goes off and he does whatever. And then the next day, apparently, I wasn't at Rambling Man on the Saturday. I arrived on the Sunday. But on the Saturday, apparently, John was there, like pale as a ghost, sat backstage before Blackstone were about to go headline, just puking into a bucket, like shivering. And everybody was like, dude, what's wrong with you? And he's like, oh, Matt Starks, man. I was out with Matt Starks. (laughs) And he just just threw threw me under the bus bus. (laughs) completely. So when I arrived, when I got to Rambling Man on the Sunday, Mm. uh, when I saw you, I was with um, Sam, the girl that you met at the Duff gig as well. Um, Everybody was going to me, like, what did you do to John fucking on Friday, man? He was an absolute write-off on Saturday. I was like, I had two beers with the guy, and then he went off on his own, and I went home to bed. Like, what the fuck? But it looked, it made me look fucking rad in front of Sam, because everybody was like, who is this guy? Like, yeah, this is the party <laughs> guy. writes off rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, they think they're rock and roll. I'll show them rock and roll. That's, that's yeah, awesome. one night with me. Yeah. Literally, he was puking into a bucket, apparently, like moments before he was due to play on stage. That's amazing. That is, that's a great, that's, that's gutsy. Have you, have you caught up with him since? I've caught up with John, yeah. So he's, uh, he's actually quit drinking. <laughs> because of that night? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I can't pretty touch much. it again, like, man. Th- there, was, there was more to the story, which I won't share because okay. he sort of told me a lot of, he told me a lot of it like off the mic. Yeah. But um, he, he basically decided at the end of that run of shows that his relationship with alcohol had become unhealthy and gotten out of hand. And so when he got home from that tour, which would have been, I guess, October time last year, mm. he made a pact to give up alcohol. And okay. the last I spoke with him, which was like two months ago, he's, he hasn't had a drop since. Okay. Pretty wild, because when you think about John, I mean, that whole band, but particularly John, alcohol and him are just synonymous. Like, right. he's one of those dudes. He's always there with a whiskey or a beer. Life and soul of the party. And I just think that, yeah, it kind of it reached a point where he thought this isn't working for me. So I'm going to I'm going to rein it in. So he's doing really good. He's doing really, really good. He's really happy. Um, but, yeah, he's he's completely sober. So I said, oh, the, the next time we meet, it'll obviously be under different circumstances. Then <laughs> and have a little coffee or something. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's, you know, I don't like. I don't know, everyone, I guess everyone's different with it. But, I mean, you know, I guess you'll have to find some really tasty teas and some tasty coffees. Uh, but the thing is, there's when you have a big night, when you have a big night, the next day, it, it, especially if you have a gig to do, you do want to die. Like, it's like, I remember we did, we did, a, we did a tour and we had to, I'll make sure this is at recording so we still got you on the, what we, stop broadcasting, yep. I'm going to stop this, right, on the thing so it saves, and then I'm going to record it again for you. Boom, boom. So we get – so the file's not – the, the, the audio's still rolling though, yeah? Oh, yeah, the audio's still going. But I'm going, to, I'm, going to record it, I'm going to record it again because sometimes what happens with this technology is that it will uh, it will stop – you know, like when you when – you, 
you don't see it stop, but it stops and then it doesn't save. And so it doesn't even get up to where you got to. It deletes the whole thing. Cause it's like, it says the file's too big and it can't, it can't handle life. And you're like, oh man, come on. Just yeah. It's can't. good to save as you go in there. Yeah. Joel, I'm going to have a quick, I'm going to, I'm going to like rinse a quick cigarette real quick. Sure. I'll grab a wee. Smoke break. Hour in. Smoke break. I'll see you back in two. I'm literally going to go. Smoko. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bushchuk. It's, it's called uh, Emu, Emu Bitter. <laughs> Emu Export. Emu Export. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, Emu Bitter <laughs> Export. And uh, uh, so... It's it's in in Western Australia they call this bushchook. That's the local uh, vernacular for that one. So I'm going to go from VB to bushchook, and uh, you can Google them. It's, they've got some great. Their Instagram is hilarious. Uh, it's <laughs> bushchook crew. But yeah, when you're drinking, I mean, yeah, like we did a show in. Um, we I'll just finish this and I'll put my bushchook on. <laughs> bush Round bush two, baby. Bush. Round two. Uh, yeah, just like leave that there. <laughs> um uh we 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 played we had a show in Sweden and then we had to get down to we had to get down to I think it was Spain and it was a festival there I don't know the the rock fest it was called the rock fest Aerosmith were headlining and we had to play in Sweden at you know they have a solstice there so you getting your you getting your koozie to work there? Is that what you round? Yeah, round two. <laughs> Switch switcheroo, baby. Switcheroo, kangaroo. How how good are Aerosmith live as well? Like Unreal. still, just so undeniably spectacular. Oh yeah, they're gutsy. They um they uh every we've played a few shows with them now, and they they always put on a really gutsy show, and you sort of forget, you know, like you know how old. They might be. They don't show it. Like they still got their youth. Tyler's amazing. Fuck, he just comes out and just, just you know, wrecks the joint. He just comes out and people just, you know, he really gets them up and he's he's moving. Tyler moves more than the sixteen-year-olds in the crowd. Like he's got energy for days. 
and we had to fly from Sweden. We had to play at two in the morning, but at two in the morning, it's as bright as it is where you are. It's daylight. Like it's, and if it's how it works, but we had to play the next night or the next night and a half down in Spain. It's a long way away. That was on the mic. Um, I'll turn the compressor. <laughs> that was the emu. Yeah, the, the bush chook. Um, and so we had to hire a plane. To, we'd never done the sort of, you know, the, the private plane thing before. So when we say private plane, we're talking propellers, like with propellers <laughs> and, and uh, one pilot and, um, and a bag at the back of the plane that was in a box that you had to piss in. Shits weren't allowed. You had to piss in this box, and so it's like being on a tour bus in the sky. A tour bus in the sky, and it was really narrow and really small seats. And we just we took our entire we so the gig in Sweden, we the rider for the gig that we put into them was like it was like you ever seen those movies where like there's what's the movie? I think it's um Airheads where they request all this stuff from the police like helmets with with um, spray ice cream inside it and stuff like that. So our rider was really, really blown out. It was like I don't, I can't remember what we spent on the rider, but it was a lot because we wanted all this piss for the plane. So it was like all these bowls of Jack, all these Johnny Blacks, champagne. Uh, it was, it was like twenty meat platters and like all this stuff. Like we show up to the plane, the pilot like looks at us, and goes, "What? Well, <laughs> what the hell is this? Like, it looks like t- talking about Noah. It's like this is the la- this is the the ark, and we're bringing in all our food." And all these, like, we, we had garbage bags full of, like, whiskey, like, clinking around, clink, 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 and all these beers. And then, and we're like, got to have ice in there. So they're all leaking water across the runway. It's like, the pilot's like, he doesn't speak much English. So, and he sees us all coming, you know, he sort of, it was one of those, like, looking back, I think he was probably a bit nervous to, or scared to really say, you can't get on with that. But he was like, is that all coming on the plane? And we're like, yeah, yeah. Do you want a beer? It's like, I've got to fly. Like, <laughs> and we get on the plane and I remember we had all our guitars and shit as well. We had to have limited gear for this rock fest. Um, and we had to, I remember there was a, we stuffed the plane so much full of stuff that there was a door on the nose of the front of the craft. And he's like, where are we going to put this? It was like, it was, it was might've been my backpack. And he goes, uh, and he opens up this little extra door, stuffs it in there. So we had this plane jammed and we all get on. <laughs> literally. Duck, yeah, literally this little tube. And uh, we get on there and it takes off and it makes this funny sound. And we're like, wow, it's so quiet, you know, and like every bump, you know, boom, boom, boom. And we're like, whoa, we start drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. And this thing goes for hours and we're pissing and pissing and pissing in this toilet. It fills up like in an hour. And we've got like a 12-hour flight. So we're like, oh, um, what are we going to do sort of thing? And he's like, oh, we'll have to land. <laughs> we land. So we can take we take the piss bag out of the plane. And then and then so it's like we're all pissing on the runway. And and uh, we land, we actually let, we landed at this runway recently and we saw where we landed in the private plane thing and saw that it was in full view of everybody in the terminals. So I was like, wow, they would have just seen us all come off the plane, all these long-haired dudes get out and just start pissing on the runway like that. Just like like hooligans, like full like whatever sort of thing. And and we had to wait. So they fueled up the plane, cleaned up the piss bag, and then we got back on, kept drinking and drinking and drinking, eating and eating, eating, drinking and drinking, filling up the piss bag. We finally land in Spain and the sun's going down and we're driving in and it's just like, wow, this has been such a good flight. Definitely got to go to the room. 
Definitely got to sleep. I get a club sandwich and then I'm going to pass out because we've got to play tomorrow and we're on stage at like 2, 8, uh, 2 p.m. So we're on stage in like, when it's when it's less than 24 hours, we're like, okay, we need to cut this shit, you know, we're going to be on stage. And this point, it's like 6 o'clock at night. We get in the hotel and um, and then Roger on the crew goes, um, uh, guys, I saw him walking. He goes, I go, oh, Roger, where are you off to? And he goes, oh, Saxon are playing. I'm like, what? Saxon, he's like, yeah, they're on, they're, they're on, they're headlining tonight. And I went, whoa, oh man, oh, I'm coming. And he goes, well, and, like I still have my like my bag and everything. It's like right, bag in the room, no food, just got in, got in the van, and we, we got and straight there, straight to see Saxon. The whole band went, we all went, and um, and then they went on to like it was like again like midnight late, so we're drinking again. Like we we ran a few mates of ours from Australia. We're getting on the Reds now, so it's whiskey, beer, red wine, the whole lot. And and there was one point where I remember one of us was pissing on a generator, and security guards didn't like that, and it was like it was actually Amazing. for our own own you know, health and safety. Um, but then Sax- Saxon <laughs> came on and was just like Saxon's the best, and they had this brand new castle, and like wow, this is the best. And then we went back after the gig, and we we you know we we saw the guys, and, and we were like, oh Biff, how you going, man? And um, I hadn't seen him since one of those awards in London, like it might have been a Metal Hammer Awards, and um, and he's you know he's on the Reds and we talk about red wine and stuff, and and it was just great. It's just, hey, up, it's Beth Byford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm I'm, go- I'm going on and on and on here, but it, it um, <laughs> I'm just trying to give you the give you all the whole thing that was weighed up on this, and this is we get back. I to do. The, don't worry about it. It's perfect. We get back to the hotel. After our big big day and night of rock that started with a private plane and ended with Biff and Saxon and everything, and we're like, we've had the best day. This is the best. Oh, when we got back to the hotel, there was a private wedding, and off walked straight in and changed the music and put Ghostbusters on uh, thing from Ghostbusters, and they're trying to have the bridal dance, and they've gone like, who the fuck is this guy? And- just and like full on like all the, all the biggest dudes in the wedding just pushed me out the door and slammed the door like you're a disgrace and I've gone just one of you Ghostbusters oh. and then I'm like I'm you know doing this and six six a.m. this we go to the bar of the hotel six a.m. we keep drinking and drinking and it's like yeah other guys at the festival come back we see some dudes and other bands and other crews and that oh gee haven't seen you in a while and. We're drinking away, 24-hour bar, and then it's, it's like, shit, it is time to go to bed, you know. We're on stage in about five hours, four or five hours, and then we Fucking go to the- hell, dude. Yeah, and it was the Spanish, the sun, right? So the sun is at its zenith, and that's when we're on stage, and it is hitting the whole stage. And we had to hire in all these marshals. We couldn't bring our own because of the time, so we couldn't actually get our gear from Sweden to Spain in time. So we had to use another rig, and- I remember lying there before we went on stage. We just, we got, you know, we got picked up from the hotel, went straight in. And I remember lying on the band room floor. Uh, well, the best thing, best part was we had the same room as Saxon. So there was still some red wine around, which we really didn't actually, we didn't dust that till after the gig. But, but, um, well, I remember lying on the concrete just going because the concrete was cold. And I was just like, oh, this is just, I just need to lie here. And like, you know, you're on stage, you got to start warming up. I'm like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're on stage in like 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. So then it's like, <laughs> get the jeans on, you know, just like, come on. Like, this is, 
if there's any time to pull out something that you've never you've never pulled out before, this is it. And I remember running out there on stage, like, all right, I'm gonna do this all over the thing, and there's like you know there's like eighty thousand you know Spanish there, and I've just thrown up everything, like it's all out the front of the stage, and it's like, <laughs> and then you know the sun, unforgiving, the cameras on us were this giant screen as big as it gets, and I've got like red wine spew coming down here, like. You know, fucking, you got to live it up, you know. <laughs> God knows how to live it up. <laughs> like, and yeah, so, yeah, I know, I know the feeling. And, um, but yeah, cheer, cheer, cheers to that. <laughs> but no no stopping, though. Dude, that's incredible. Yeah, so. An yeah. on-stage puke with, yep. as you say, like those big festival screens, yep. bright. Like, right there, uh, right there, and it's always good when you get the cheer. Though it's like, oh, they're with me. You know? <laughs> they're laughing at me, but they're with me. Yeah. That's it, and I think that's the joy of being in a band like yourselves, where mm. all the music is about exactly that, living it up. If yeah. you were the Smashing Pumpkins, or you know, a band like that that's a little bit more ethereal and you know artistic then if you're going to be running out on stage and vomiting red wine all over yourself everybody's going to go oh my god what a disgrace whereas with airborne it's like <laughs> it's, you know uh, you know Gets them going even more <laughs> yeah i mean uh if i go to a festival uh, you know and we're, you know doing the stay in the tent thing and I, I remember doing that back in the day and like throwing up at festivals it's like it's the same thing it's like anyone in the crowd could seriously do what we're doing it's just uh, just wear some old shitty jeans, just get a guitar and, you know, just, you know, three chords, you know, and just scream your tits off and, and go, go for it. Um, and, you know, you get free beers for life. It's great. Uh, look, it, it just, that's been our whole thing. Like when we're on stage, it's how it feels. So when I'm throwing up, we've never been, we're not a band that thinks we go, oh, they're the fans. We're like, I haven't met you all, but like, it's kind of like we're all mates in a, the giant pub and this is like new year's eve wherever we play and it's like countdown to to new year's eve and it's just like drinks on the house it's like i don't know you man but i'm gonna run up and give you a big kiss you know that kind of new year's eve thing it's just we love the crowd we love we love them so much that it's like them we feel like we're mates so when we go out and do the solos and like smashing a beer on your head and the dude's like oh can you give me a beer like yeah man he's a beer gotcha yeah cheers it's kind of like fucking you know it's like you know so so what do you you know how you been like uh, (laughs) It's kind of like it just feels that way. We have that that kind of connection. So yeah, when we throw up on stage with seven cameras right on your mouth to see the whole fucking thing, it just feels like I'm just that dude at the party that's fucked up, and everyone's got their phone out and filming it. It's a bit of a laugh. And <laughs> yeah. It ends up on social media, and that's cool. It's like that. Well. I want to tell you one of my tour, uh, tour stories in a minute, but first of all, I I want to go back to the. That my other favorite sonosphere memory w- with you, and I think this was only the second time that we met. So we'd met the first time at Kerrang, and then I think the second time was at Sonosphere, and I'd come on the Gibson bus to do an interview with you. Oh yeah, and there's yep. a there's a picture of us from it where I've got like the sailor hat on, and so we have this chat, and it's it's really close to your stage time. It's like maybe an hour before you're due on, and we do the chat, we catch up, it's wicked, 
uh, Danielle like walks me off the bus and stuff and I'm chatting with her and then you just come down and you've got one of the guitars from the Gibson bus. It isn't yours. It's one of theirs. And you just walk off like, see you in a bit, show to do. And you walk off and then like about, five, I, I, I linger around and then about five minutes later, the guy comes running. He's like, where's that guy from Airborne gone? And Danielle's like, oh, he's gone to play a show. He's like, he's taken one of his fucking guitars. <laughs> and I was like, amazing. And then... I go to like meet up with my friends. I'm like, we've got to go watch Airborne. It's going to be incredible. And I'm just still laughing at the fact that you've like walked off with this Gibson guitar. And then you come out, dude. And I know that nowadays you don't do this as much because they've clamped down on you. And maybe we can talk about some of the the reasons as to why. But but that year, and this was your thing at that time, is you were there like guitar just on your back. You'd been drinking that day for sure because we'd had a drink together. And guitars on your back, there's certainly no harnesses or straps or wires or anything. And you climb up the entire stage rig all the way to the top of the fucking main stage at Sonosphere and you're just dangling from it by just your hands. And I just remember everybody that I was with, like the reaction across the field, everybody was like, oh my God. And Dante says it in the documentary that I made. He, he sums it up beautifully where he's like, you know, when you go and see a magician they're not really sawing somebody in half. You know, that's not really happening. Whereas when you go and see an airborne show and you used to watch you do those things, that's real life. Like you're putting your life on the line to entertain the crowds. Um, first of all, tell me about the first time you did that. And then, you know, when, when it became a regular thing, what sort of thoughts are going through your head when you're doing that, when you're literally scaling the dizziest of heights and just fucking hanging off these things like, that's some daredevil shit, dude. Yeah, it was, um, well, the guitar, that was because it was one of our first times <laughs> being in England, and that was... Um, just to clear I, that up. Yeah, Just yeah. to clear that up. Just to clear that up. That was because I read this thing. I love The Who. I, re- I read this thing about, about Pete Townsend, how there was this guitar shop, and he, w- he would always go in there, and he just didn't have enough money to buy one of the guitars, and he goes, fuck it, I'm just taking it off the wall and runs off down the street with it. And I was like, I remember thinking, uh, it just hit me. I was on the bus. Something maybe I was asked about the who or something. It just I'd be sitting there we're do, doing the interview, and, and then it, just a little thought popped in my head. It might be when we I don't know what point, but I just went Pete Townsend. If it, Pete Townsend was sitting here and he's surrounded by seven Les Pauls, a few Explorers, and a few SGs back in the day, he doesn't need to do it now. But I'm kind of this is us first time in England, first you know, starting out as our band, and he's starting out in the who. I'm just going to take guitar. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> I'm, I want a Les Paul. I'm just going to take one. <laughs> I really want that sunburst. I'm going to take that. Catch ya. And I'll just like, see what happens, you know. <laughs> Catch ya. I thought it's England. You get free guitars. You get you just get free guitars if you just got the balls. And then um, <laughs> I gave the guitar back. And <laughs> and um, and uh, uh, I think it was where the Gibson showroom is. It might even be the same shop because the story goes that it was like that. Anyway, the the climbing the um the whole climbing thing started in Australia at a festival called Groove Groove in the Moo. Because and this is like way back. We are like no one knows who we are. We're just I don't even know how why we're on a bill, why we're playing in front of people. I don't know. We didn't even have an album or anything. It was probably I don't know how it happened, but we were playing this festival and we were on and it was nighttime, so with festivals, there's always a graveyard shift. There's always that bit where the headliner plays and then other bands come on and, you know, they get their chance to play in front of people, but all the festival goers go away. 
And we've done the graveyard shift before and, and that sort of thing. So there was two stages. And we were on at one stage with uh, all the park hands. And on the other stage, the headline act was playing. So they just thought, we'll put these guys on at the same time. There was, there was 20, there's 20, 25,000 people over there watching this other band. And they've got all the digital lights. So they had all the laser effects. So they had the video screens and they had all this new whiz bang stuff. And the other stage was the one they spent the least money on, had the same size PA, but it had just. Park. And they're putting both bands on at the same time? At the same time. So it just felt wild. Like something happened where our stage had run over time. And they were like, well, we've got to get you on now anyway because, you know, we've got another band later on, later on, later on, and we've got, you know, we, it's going to go to four in the morning, DJs come out and this whole thing happens and you guys are kind of expendable, so you're just going to have to go on when the other band's going on. Have, have a nice show sort of thing. And we were like, Yeah, cool. just be grateful to be here kind of cool. thing. I was like, cool, cool, we'll, we'll do that. And, um, and we, um, we had a few tricks up our sleeve from supporting other bands in pubs and it's, we just saw this as a really big pub. So we come out on stage and our first song is Ready to Rock, the original one we had, not the new one. And we come out, we're playing that. And second song, third song, we see the crowd's really not even there. There's like, there was 10 people going, yeah, fucking nice, you know, play an ACDC song. Um, and then the, the other band, they were kind of like a emo sort of punky emo thing. I don't know who they were. I'm not trying to shit on them, but they, they sounded like shit. That's not, yeah, it's not rock and roll. And we knew up, we had up our sleeve was, okay, we've been here before. We've done this sort of thing at a very small level. Let's see if we can do it at a big level. I'd never climbed before. I'd never done anything. Uh, I got this ADHD thing. So I'm looking, I'm looking around, like just not focused on what, what song I'm playing. I'm just focused on how do we go and steal this crowd? This is during the gig. And I remember going, looking up at the park hands. I remember we used to always pull the gels out of these things when we support a band and put all the white lights on. And then when we would come off, we would put all the gels back in so they'd have their magentas and blues back. No, that's what they wanted, but we would still be the brightest band. And we were like, fuck, when you guys came on, it was really bright. But so, and well, I remember that in the, the Marshall Stacks, it was loud, it was bright, it was big. And the next band came on, it was just like, we can't hear them because we're deaf now. We can't see because you've burned our retinas out. And I, cl- I went, fuck it. I'm going to go up there and get, I'm going to go up there and get, you just went, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah, I I'm still here. Yeah, there we go. My battery's got 20%. Um, I just climbed On up. Your phone? Yeah. I just climbed up and uh, I I grabbed the, a par can that was up the top and I pulled the gel out. That was a blue gel. And that's what's in the front to cover that light. And I took, and this is up, like the, we say in the sonosphere, climbing up. Guitar on the back. This is the first time I've climbed. And I've grabbed the can. There's a bolt there. I remember burning my fingers to get the thing off because it was so fucking hot. And I pulled it off. This is night time. So, and then I, what I, I took the can off. I'm still hanging on the truss. And, you know, the guy's back on stage. We're in the middle of girls in black. Because normally I go out in the crowd anyway, but there was no crowd. And that's where I do the solo. So they're like, what's he doing up there? You know, like, we've got to get the solo in. And still, Ryan's still. And we're still. We're not in yet, so I grabbed the can off and I just shine it on their band's crowd. And I kept, I hit, I reckon I hit everyone in the eye. I'm like just banging it on them. I was up there for like five, ten minutes just hitting everyone in that crowd with this super, super bright park cam, way brighter than the shitty laser lights and all the modern tech stuff. And I I remember just taking the can and throwing the can. I saw people starting to come over going, what's this? Sort of like people listening to our side of the PA went, 
oh, see the head go like this and they start coming across. And then other people see them going and go, well, what's going on over there? I just, what's that light about? Like, what's, what's happening? You know, is there a fire? What's going on? And then it's like then enough people got across and then we, yep, yeah, and the solo, we kick it in, do the solo, and then more, they start going, yeah, this is the best. They start running up and then I got down and, and then it was like we just nicked their whole crowd. And their band was over there with their lasers pointing into the air and pointing at green grass, going, "Where's the crowd?" They were all over here, and it was we we're like, "Shit, we like we need a cover." We didn't know any, so we just just played our asses off and jumped back out in the crowd again. And it was that was grooving the move. So ever since that day, it's always been a thing to climb up when we can. But it was it was legitimately to go, "Fuck, these people need rock and roll. They don't need this stupid shit sort of stuff." <laughs> to po- to poach their crowd, essentially, it's yeah. like come over here. Yeah, come on and rock and roll. It's way more fun than staring at your feet. It was back in that sort of emo, <laughs> that sort of emo era, you know, when everyone was had the fringe down Mid, here and the real mid two thousands kind of time. Yeah, the the whole my mummy doesn't love me sort of you know thing and that we were like come over here and rock and it was um it was great. What what goes through your head, man? Like I, I know your thoughts must be moving like a thousand miles an hour, but when you're at the top and you're suspended and you're hanging, put us in the picture of actually like the thoughts that are ticking over in your head in that moment because you're trying to focus on a show to some extent yeah. but then you're also like stay alive stay alive yeah i mean it, like the whole time i'm trying to listen listen to the drums like i'm just trying to keep where the beat's at because once you get up up there the stage sound starts to go away and what you're left with is either the pa that's up there and you or you're left with what's the the laid off like it's kind of, it sounds, it depends with phasing and stuff, but I can't, it's very hard to hear up there. So I'm always just listening to that. And then it's just, you know, focusing on, on climbing and, and that sort of thing. But once you get up there, it's just, you see all the people and it's, it's just, it's exhilarating. It's just hold on. I'm just like, he's like, fucking hold on, hold on to, hold on to dear life. But um, it's also, you know, um, fucking here's a fucking show for you, you know, like it's that old sort of groove in the move festival comes back where we're nicking the crowd again, because it, you know, if we're not headlining a festival and we're, we're out there doing that, we know that by doing this, um, we're going to really win this crowd and they're going to be right on our side. And also it's like, it's just, and leave an impression. Yeah. That people are going to go away with remembering forever. Like, fuck, that was the band that the singer like did that. When yeah, have but, I seen that before? Never. Well, yeah, people come up and say that kind of thing. The best part, the best part is though, honestly, the best part is is getting up the top because always I've always liked climbing mountains and things just to get up and have a look down and, and see what's going on. And the best bit is just getting up there and seeing the whole festival, like the hot dog stands all the way around the back, and all and then all over the fence to where the tents are, and then you know there's like the where there's like a, a Ferris wheel or something like that. Like you see the whole thing, and you get up the top and you just do. Rock and roll. It's the best feeling. Like, it really is. The, it's, it's I, like, I'm terrified of heights, dude. I could not do it. Like, for a single second, I I could not do what you do. I tried to do it without the guitar once. Um, just, to, you know, we were just testing something, and it was like, it was scary. Like, it was like, oh, this is like, I can't I actually just can't climb. I can't I can't do it. I just can't do this. Like, we need to, to do this. And I was like, nah, nah, I can't do it. Adrenaline with the crowd, guitar on your back, and, and it's... Takes it's, you out of that place. It's, it's something there, you know. Back in the day, it was always like half a bottle of Jack, too. Bit of Dutch courage. Yeah, bit of courage. Um, 
But uh, do tell me tell me about when the shutters came down on that then because there was a period where it just stopped. And I know well, that wasn't your the, the, that wasn't the, the, your choice. You know when the, you know when one of those electronic doors come down or like a lift door shuts and you just get like you know your elbow in or or a guitar case or a, or a or a bag or your foot under the door. Oh, it's not shut. It's there's a little crack there, and um right. and 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 the crack is it's just going to be, dude. We've all been locked up, you know, for so long. Do you think I'm not going to climb again? Do, well, that that's. Th- I can't help myself. So, like, that's just what's going to happen now. Like, it's so I've, I've, I really I have to. So, I think we'll just I think we'll just put it in a we'll put it in a writing. So, airborne plays. We we uh we, shit's we do, getting climbed. We do the King Kong thing. <laughs> How are you in your in yourself in your head? Because uh, I, I know I know I know you lived like I've got a few friends in this game who really yeah. like every musician obviously misses playing shows obviously. But there's a few close friends that I have. Benji from the band Skin Dread is another one. There's a few people that I know who just live to be on stage. Like mm. it's it's big. It's bigger than the music. It's about the music, but it's bigger than that. And yeah. that's really where they people like you and him belong. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's been seven months, man. Right? It's been seven. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been it's been a long time. It's kind of like one of those you know when you see the movies where they put the lines on the wall and then put the thing through it and put another bunch of lines on the wall and the thing through it. it it's it's just going on and on and on and there's sort of there's no definite answer really of when it all goes back so you it's one of those sort of just don't think about it and just keep rolling on you know and just uh, not just waiting so you just keep doing what you do normally just keep doing that and and then you know and just when we and just keep thinking about when you're going to be back what you're going to do when you're back and how you're going to do it and and how good it's going to feel uh, that's what sort of, I guess that's what keeps you going. But if you sort of get stuck thinking about what's going on, then that's when you get a bit sort of like overwhelmed with the whole thing, because it's not like the industry that we're in is going to be one of the early ones to go back. This is the first one to be shut and probably the last one to open again. So we just have to, yeah, stay, stay kind of just stay sitting in a band room just just with with an unlimited writer for as long as we can before we go we should, we should probably do a gig like <laughs> you know like i'm sort of sick of the writer now like i didn't think i'd ever say that but fuck i mean i've had 12 birthdays in here and it's like <laughs> that's it when you're like the writer just never ends but yeah. i wish that it would yeah be careful what you wish for <laughs> It's, it's nuts. So, dude, earlier on, you were talking about kind of getting on stage on a hangover. Mm. Um, my probably biggest, like, near mistake in, in the touring life that I've had. So I was doing a tour with Steel Panther last year, uh, and it was an amazing tour, like sold-out shows, huge rooms. It was me, Gus G, and, and Steel Panther. So I'd do a set from when doors opened to when Gus G came on. Just uh, Gus G would come out and do like all the guitar heroic amazing stuff that he does. Then I'd do another set up until Steel Panther come out and then they come out and crush. It's a really fun tour. It was the Sunset Strip era um, that they were doing. So it wasn't so much their originals. It was like Van Halen, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Bon Jovi covers, which yep. they started out doing many years ago. And then they had like a few originals towards the end. Um, and so we played Paris. And we played the Bataclan where that obviously horrendous incident took place five years ago. And so to play that room was, 
it was a very heavy night, but also very celebratory and triumphant. And because I know that band Eagles of Death Metal as well, for me, it it felt very special to be able to play there and to see a Steel Panther crowd who are obviously all smiles and laughter and joy. It was a beautiful night. And, you know, obviously after a night like that, you feel triumphant, don't you? And yeah. you want to celebrate, you want to celebrate into the night. So after the gig, I'm friends with a French DJ who lives in Paris and he knew the bartenders of this bar literally like three clubs along from the Bataclan. It's called Apre Rock. And so we'd organized an after party for him there. So after the gig, I pile out, go down to this bar, meet my friend. We're DJing back to back. Everybody from the gig spilling in. It's an amazing night in there. That goes till like 2 a.m. And then, so I, I've got to get a train from Paris to Belgium for the next show the next day. My train's booked for like nine in the morning. And it's like two then. And my friend says, well, why don't we go back to the bartender's house and we'll get a load of racket in. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's been an amazing night. Why should it end now? So we go back to this barman's house who owns this bar next to the Bataclan or did. Uh, I think it's moved somewhere else now. And there's me, this DJ guy I know in Paris, his girlfriend, the guy whose bar it was. We're all back at his place, just doing rails, getting wasted, gotcha. having this amazing night. And then, dude, <laughs> it gets to like it gets to seven in the morning. I'm like, right, well, I haven't slept now. It's too late to sleep now. So I'm just going to go straight to the train station, get my train to Belgium, have a rest when I'm there, then do the show. So I get on this train. And I'm like, right, I'm due to arrive in, uh, I can't, it was Torhoot, I think was the place. Have you ever played there? Yep, yep. It, it was like a kind of a massive gymnasium. Like it yep. just felt like you're in a school. You know the place I mean? Yeah. yeah. Huge, yep. huge gymnasium. So we're in, we're playing there. So I go, okay, we're, we're due to arrive in Torhoot at, say, 4 p.m. So mm. I'll set my alarm for 3.30, knowing that I'll be awake before we get into this place. And I just, you know, conk out on the train. So I'm out cold thankfully because the train was full and i was in a reserve seat only up to torhu we arrived in torhu early and we're at the station and somebody got on and they're now in my seat so i'm out cold i don't know we've arrived early but thank god this wow. guy is like shaking me going you're in wow. my seat you're in my so i wake up and i'm like oh fuck we're here we're here so i'm like so, so i pull my bags off quickly jump off the train literally as the doors are closing like I've just make the train by the skin of my teeth because this guy woke me up. Otherwise, Fuck. could you imagine, dude, it, it was going to like Amsterdam or somewhere and it would have been the the ultimate With fuck up. The, They're like the, trying what? to call me like, where's the DJ? Where's the DJ? I'm is in it, a different it, fucking country. Yeah, he's in, he's in a he's in a he's in a, co a coffee shop in a, in Amsterdam. He's had some purple crack and wow, we know we're going to get him back. He's he's <laughs> he's just continued on his party on his merry way. <laughs> and so so I yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm in the right city. I get to the venue. Luckily as well, because you know every venue has a different... For me as well, particularly when you travel alone, mm. every day is like a new challenge because there's yeah. no tour manager or anything looking after me. It's just me traveling on my own. So whenever I get to each venue, just as the DJ one-man crew traveling party, I have to try and figure out who the you know the tech hands are, the stage hands are, who's paying me, how I'm getting like a rider. Every day is like this new obstacle course of trying to like configurate the scenario. Thankfully, in Belgium, the promoter and the runner were like bang on it. They greeted me at the door, showed That's me to my dressing room. So everything was just really stress-free and beautiful. Um, but I literally, my dressing room, dude, was like a gymnasium changing room. 
So there was like eight showers in like an old school square. Yep. And then just the, the changing room was my dressing room. So I literally just, I slept on the floor for like another two hours, woke up literally 45 minutes before I was due on, hit all the shower buttons, just ran through all of them like <laughs> naked, just like getting my wash on, yep. got my Wayne's World costume on for the gig, just like quick beer and then straight out. And there's like, you know, 5,000 people in this full, like sold sold out auditorium and i'm just that like that is awesome girls 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 like straight back into it but back it is it. you have to have a you have to have a word with yourself don't you and just look at yourself in the mirror and be like right this show needs to happen access yeah. whatever energy and adrenaline you can and just get out there and have it it is it's you've got it you've got to um you've got it it is but I mean, how how was the rush though the rush of doing that like the this, it's the only thing that saves you, that yeah. adrenaline and that natural high, like no line or shot or anything nah. like that is as good as that. And you can be like dead on your feet, yep. like just so hungover and broken, you feel like there's no coming back. And then the minute you're on that stage yep. and everybody's getting into it, then you're just yeah. like, that, that then energy. you're ready to go again. Yeah. And that's when you yeah. run into trouble, isn't it? Yeah, the energy, <laughs> it is, it is. But I tell you what, it is a rush. Like that energy you get, for everything you just said, done the same thing uh, probably more times than I should have but it's that it's almost like you'd almost do that all of that for that energy of when you do that slap in the face like fuck we've got to go on now and then you run out there and it's just is a thing that happens in the room where it's like you take all of that energy and you drink it like it's like a magic cocktail and you drink yep. this thing and go, 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 and you're like superhuman and the thing is when you come off stage you're like fucking so amped up because one you've just woken up so you've just literally just got up for your morning coffee and then at, at, at eight o'clock at night and then <laughs> and you come off and there's a rider and you're like that was just rocking i felt the vibe and you know and then you just hit the rider you get the tunes going again it's when you got to show that next day that's when it becomes a problem but if you have a few days off or a day off it's like that's that's easy to do that but then when you if you do have a show it's like when you back them up that's it, that's when it, that's that's the test of like we were saying about Russell Crowe. He's a man. Like that's that's when that's what separates the men from the boys. It's like definitely them on it, It's also what separates, I think. And I've made a couple of mistakes, but I very much know now like where that line is, and it separates the professionals from the non-professionals as well, yeah. because it's all well and good partying and having fun on the road, but ultimately you're there to deliver a service yep. and put on a show yep. and it's easier for me because I'm just playing other people's songs. So, you know, I don't have to worry about a voice or being in time or any of that, yep. which, you know, people don't really appreciate the the skill and the, the artistry and the, the craft and the work involved, but it's really like you have to try and rein it in and not get carried away. And it's, it's, it's like a tightrope walk, isn't it? Because you want to enjoy the experience of being on the road. You've got friends at the shows. You want to catch up with them. You, you want to do all these things. But at the same time, in the back of your head, there's always this voice going, maybe that's your last shot for tonight because there's a show tomorrow and you need to deliver. And it's always important well, to keep that in mind well, and not get carried away, right? Yeah. I mean, Otherwise, the, the, you burn out and fade away and or yeah. they, you don't get booked again or people stop coming to the shows. Yeah. yeah there's, <laughs> there's always like, you know, people have paid money to see it. Don't go out there and fuck up. You've got to, if you play up, you've got to show up. You know, that's got to, that's always the, the thing. So when it gets to a point where you're deteriorating and you know you're deteriorating, that's when you've got to, you've got to put, you've got to put the show first. The show's always got to come first. But the mentality is 
from the, from day one, it's always been you never know if this is going to be your last show. This could, tonight's show could be the last, and that is always a that is always that lives with you every single gig. So even if you're feeling the way you're feeling, or you know, even if you just got like gastro, like it's a thing. So it's you're used to playing shows never at a hundred percent anyway. So if you're up living it big, and you know the night before, and it's just gone on and on, and then you on on stage, and if you know, and you're still bringing it, then you can keep doing it. You've got to be your own judge with that because you don't want to rob people from you know their experience to come and see you and and you know you still want to you want to give them the absolute most you got, but part of what we what we do part of the part of where we come from is the life we live like we live rock and roll we it's we we're not here to sell you a theater show this isn't we're acting. not clocking in and out no so it's like you you're getting the real like I think that's what people like when I go see a band um, a rock and roll band. I you know I'm, I want to I want to feel I want to be on the same level like singers the singers you know he's into it a bit or whatever like I can relate because we're we're out the pub the night before <laughs> like your experience with um with 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 Blackstone Cherry except you didn't actually you you went home but like as as the myth goes <laughs> um it's just it's it's like. You see, you don't get that with kids in glass houses. It's like, <laughs> look, we've got a lot of interviews today and that sort of thing, but we did unleash the record last night, so we're going to get it. We're going to have a bit of fun. <laughs> um, not to it's make real. It, it's authentic. And it, it, it yeah, is, man. And it's, 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 it's that. It's that. And, look, we love it. Like, we're having fun and we're getting into it. And we can't really police ourselves as much as we can. You know, you have a, we have, you know, people that will – happily do that for us and happily say you are shit and you know you are and you go yeah all right you got me there all right i'll go have a fucking baraka i'll go get a sleep and i'll i'll get on stage and we'll, we'll fucking do this um well that's the beauty of having a band and a crew around you oh, and yeah. i've had to le- i've had to learn that for myself because it's always just been me oh, you know, man. i have to be my i have to be my own boss my own babysitter my own instigator my own minder like all of that and I've I've now learned that balance and you know there'll always be times when you nearly fuck it up like that steel panther day I just couldn't help but feel like if I'd have fucking not woken up at that stop yeah you know it would have been fine Zach Wilde was funny as well I recently talked to Zach Wilde just before lockdown this year and Zach's obviously sober now he's been sober for many years and uh his drummer Joey C is like a good pal of mine he's also sober it was kind of like a sober crew. So I thought, and I was invited to travel on the bus with them, which was amazing. So I thought if I'm going to be riding with them, I've got to keep my shit in check. I've got to behave myself and just kind of get in, have a few drinks, do the show, deliver. And then when it comes time to getting on the bus, just like keep it chill, go to bed early, you know, be respectful. So I did that for like the first four or five of the eight dates that we'd done. Mm -hmm. I was good as gold on my best behavior. Then we played Birmingham and it was, obviously my hometown hometown show friends were down but also it was the anniversary of the debut album by black sabbath 50 years to Whoa. the day since the record came out wow. and wow. and the project was zach sabbath so it was all sabbath covers so you're in birmingham the home of sabbath my home on the 50th anniversary of the album and sparks were flying man it was an electric night in the institute so it's like an underplay show as well packed to the rafters and same thing after the show i went out to the bar opposite just got wasted and then got back on the bus and I'm like I blackout drunk by this point but I'm like I commandeer Zach's speaker and I'm like playing Elton John and just partying and everybody's like whoa, whoa, whoa. and I'm just go I'm yeah. just going for it and then I woke up in my bunk the next morning and was like 
fuck i was like what did i do last night who do i have to apologize to like am i going to get thrown off the tour is yeah. this bad and i come down in the morning and they're all like oh shit the kids up there the kids up and they <laughs> Look, they re yeah. they renamed me uh father matt daniels because of my penchant for jack daniels or uh dj shippy shipwrecked because i was just shitface. and actually what happened after that was that all the like the crew and the musicians the whole family the whole touring family embraced me and took me under their wing as like their kind of wayward drunken cousin because they knew it was your hometown show it was a one-off thing you've done great shows every other night you let your hair down and then it became a thing that they just ripped me for and then on the last show in amsterdam i'm doing my set i've been on my best behavior as well again since that night and then zach sneaks up behind me on the stage and gives me a bottle of jack daniels and he's like hey father matt this is for you like thanks for a great tour and Man. so actually as well sometimes it does go the other way and it does endear you oh, yeah. to whoever you're with as I long think... as they're cool and up for a good time and you're respectful within your drunken chaotic oh, yeah. realm yeah man like the thing is <laughs> guys like zach wild like uh the, seen the it stuff, all the stuff that they've done they've gone up to and the, the things that those guys have done they've seen it all before you know what i mean and they've they've seen like they've lived it and they've seen it so for you doing that it's like it's that was would be the, some of the best memories they've got in their whole lives is getting on the road and doing this whole rock and roll thing. Zach Wild shooting signs with guns and eating, you know, you know Jack Daniels and, and, and cornflakes for breakfast and all this sort of stuff that they used to do back then. And he doesn't do it now, obviously, because you know, there's, there's a, there's a serious reason why he doesn't do it now. And it's, I don't like, does he miss that? I don't know. You'd have to ask him when he sees a young dude doing that, he goes, there's a little, there's got to be a little bit of him that says, uh, it's good to see rock and roll still alive and well with the kids today. Um, so with that, you know, if you're, if you're someone who drinks, you say about being respectful, if you're someone who drinks and gets angry and violent, and blah, 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 then you should probably go see a psychologist about that. But most rock and rollers that are on the road and they're having a drink and having a good time, it's all about just fucking recreating the show in your head after the gig. And it's a, yeah. a good time and you see, you know, you see your friends and, and, and your mates and you just want to, you know, it's, it's, you've got to ride it. We're going to drink it. It's, it's kind of like fuel. It really is. And when you're on stage, there's nothing that replaces that, that feeling, that adrenaline, that energy. So, for, you know, if we get it back on the bus or we get in the band room or whatever, we go to a, we go to a pub or a club out in the town and there's a DJ thing and we just go plug, plug in a whole ACDC catalog or, or whatever. And we just, get into us. We're not drinking to get wasted. It's not like we're depressed and we're sitting there, oh, I've got to get drink. I'm just getting drunk to get drunk. It's because it just goes with what we're doing. It's like my arm moves a drink and a rock and a drink. And it's just this whole sort of like get on stage, you play, you don't think you just run like a bull at a gate, the whole show. And when you come off, I'm still running. So, uh, replace. I can't, I can't put, I can't put 5,000 people in my hotel room. So, <laughs> I can I can get I can get five thousand milliliters of, of of Jack though like we can my mate Jack's going to come over and Johnny and you know they're all there and, yeah, and Jim a, and Jim um they've all got the letter J in the name Joel I should start my own one um, <laughs> um you should dude you should start your own whiskey brand or beer um, brand yeah hey um my I've I've got a ten percent warning that this thing's going to blow up so I don't know if okay that's so it. we're we're going to get cut off are we yeah well let's. Let's bring it home then, Joel. This okay. is sad to cut it, but uh, you know yep. it would be better to wrap it up and say goodbye properly than just have the cord ripped out. Yeah.
Yeah. I want to say on a I want to say on a personal level that uh, I'm just so grateful to have a guy like you in my life that's always been a great friend, uh, that's always encouraged me and supported me, and that has always been nothing but just solid, like a real trustworthy stand-up amazing friend. They're few and far between in this game. You know, everybody's got a thousand mates, but you've always been a true friend to me, dude. And I want you to know how how grateful I am for that. I love you. Oh, thanks, Matt. You're a bloody... Oh, that's... I just want to cry. Uh, thank, mate, thank you. <laughs> thank you for saying that. It's... Uh, you, you've uh, you've put that across the whole transatlantic and I'm feeling it here. Mate, it, it's it's the same here. You, We met somehow uh, in some in, in some some universal way where we just met and I remember it was just I don't know I don't know even how it happened, but we it was like was it the radio station was on a I, I can't even remember how we met it, but it was it was like smash and it was a big it was a big crash. But like the thing is, I the the best the the best I don't know like let me just think the best memories I have in the whole rock and roll world, you're in like ninety percent of them. So it's 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 um it's just shit that you're there and I'm here and I, I've got. Uh, close, close friends on on probably one hand, and you're like my thumb. So, mate, it's um, <laughs> I miss I miss you I miss you, mate. And it's um, I just I really wish we could just get on that private jet your mate's got, and we could just meet in meet in Hawaii or somewhere. It'd be, it'd be great. Wouldn't it be the one? Well, initially I had a thought of just flying out to Australia and just doing like the three month tourist holiday visa thing during lockdown you know just coming out i've got plenty of friends like all over that i could stay with and but it's just getting in i can't get into the place joel but as soon as i can get in i'm well, coming over mate because i've got my second book to write and i want to do that from somewhere that isn't you know my house in if, birmingham <laughs> if, mate you're you're that kind of you're you're, you're the you're the, the kind of mate that if you killed someone killed somebody if you did i'd help you <laughs> I'd I'd be there with a spade, try, you know, help you bury the body. So, <laughs> I reckon we'll, I'll just I'll just I'll sneak you in. I'll get you I'll get you back into Oz, and we'll we'll go it we'll go we'll just you know when the pub's open we'll be able to go out, and um you know you can sit on the balcony again, and we can do uh what what was what was the song on the balcony rock rock and roll I'm a rocker I'm a <laughs> roller. roller I'm a rock and roller I'm a rock yeah. and rock and roller baby yeah. <laughs> One yeah. of the happiest months of my life, dude. It was such an amazing time. It's such an amazing country. And I know that you're in hardcore lockdown at the moment, but it's obviously because they're good at dealing with that shit over there. Over here, there's a lot more confusion. And I think everywhere has their own you know, way of dealing with this and bullshit that they have to contend with. But it does seem like, although you're probably going out of your mind with, with the lockdown rules that you guys have, yeah, it seems like it's being dealt with a lot better over there. Um, yeah. And, and hopefully... You know, I mean, it will return, obviously. It's just the waiting game, isn't it? But I like that you're already conjuring up tricks and attacks and, and plans for when the, you know, the lid is lifted. Yeah. Because I mean, that's have to, all we can do, right? That's all we can do. You know, like you're already thinking about your second book. So, you like you can't, I mean, it's very hard to write a book living in four walls, but, you know, I mean, it's, you have to think that way and... I can't wait. I tell you what, we're talking about all this drinking and all this partying and, and all the all the fun that we've had. Could you imagine? Can you just imagine? You know, we're we're, we're playing the fucking forum again in London or whatever. We've got a day off, and then you know after the gig, and it's like Matt, oh, yeah, what are you doing? Hey, Stocksy, oh yeah. It's just like we. I just we haven't seen. We haven't caught up. When was the last time we caught up? Okay, 
It'll be like it a, was it a year was, ago. It was it was Rambling Man, and even then, yeah. because you guys were off straight away afterwards, it wasn't like a proper hang. But I that was the last time I saw we're, you. We're probably going to go on one of those month benders. It'll be like we should probably book our last show there, and then we just 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 run just just run out into the world. Like, <laughs> can you imagine? Well, we could do that, or we could if the gates your side of the world do open, but touring isn't going to return yeah. for a couple more months. I could always. One way jet in, and we could go just get some boats and. You've go. got your own jet now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like you got you got a mate with a jet, but you just be like, "Yeah, I've got a jet." Uh, got so my own I'll now. Fly, <laughs> fly in, and we could just we could just get out into the Australian wild. Yeah, well, you know, um, I guess for me, it's just as soon as soon as those gates are open, dude, I'm there. Like, I'm in. You'll have to do two weeks lockdown, so I'll make sure I stock up the fridge and. <laughs> <laughs> when you come in are you allowed to do lockdown in your own home or do they have literally like compounds where outsiders have oh, to go i think there's like i've a, heard that they have to go to like facilities well they're making tom hanks i think stay in a certain hotel and they got like cops going to him like he's he's coming out here to shoot a film and he's up in queensland and they're gonna i think he has a whole like he has his own penthouse you know he's all sorted but it's gonna be uh like there'll be random police checks and he has to do everything anyone is going to do to come in. But for them to get that, you know, uh, like for him to get through the gate, it's got to be, you know, a good reason. And he's, you know, he's doing a big and film. Just, just getting pissed with you might not be enough. Yeah, we'd have, we'd have to really, we'd have to really concoct something. <laughs> he's producing the new album. Yeah, They're like well, this guy's never produced a record in his life. Where's his credentials? Yeah, we're taking a chance. Yeah, it's a rock and roll way, baby. It's just like take a risk, see what happens. <laughs> Joel, before we get cut off, yeah, let's cheers and say goodbye, my brother. Matt, cheers. Don't Gr- always great to talk to you. It's gutsy. I, I miss you. We, we, sh- we should just do this more often without the without the um, you know, the so we the say technology. Fun. Yeah, the, yeah. So things get cut off because I have to run the headphones through that and then and then here. I feel you. Yeah, we're just getting started as well. It's probably good though because it's only one p.m. here, and I can I can end the chat with a still a, a semi clear head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, let's take a quick screenshot. Here we go. On three, one. I've got you. Ah! <laughs> um, That's I'll great. see you real soon, man. Let's definitely do one of these again soon. The transatlantic alcoholic catch-ups over the wire. I love yeah, you definitely. So what? This is wicked. What what time what what days what times work for you? Pretty much whenever, man. Like I don't have any work. All I'm doing is podcasting. There's no okay. jobs, so I'm just kick. I'm just kicking it, brother. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. I, just well, I reckon. Just we'll just when this cuts out, just cut a bit. I like, tell you um, what. Let's let's wrap it now. Put your phone on charge for like ten minutes, and then I'll just give you a quick FaceTime. Afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Put your phone up. Put it on airplane mode and charge, and then I'll call you in like sort of fifteen twenty minutes when you got some juice, and yeah, then we'll too easy. we'll carry on chatting then. All right, yeah. bro. Uru from the Guru. Stay safe. Over and out. And uh, stay keep rocking. Stay, stay safe. Stay safe. Stay sexy. Uh, rock on. <laughs> See you in a bit, dude. I'll call See you in it. about 15 minutes. All right. No worries, man. Catch up. Let's go.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.